Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Embiid a three. He got it! Joel Embiid connects on a three. 26 for Embiid and a seven-point Philadelphia lead. Joel Embiid. The future. The present. The process. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the yeah. best big man in basketball, according to Joel Embiid. Uh, Seku Smith and Greg Anthony here on the Hangtime Podcast. We would be remiss if we didn't discuss the big fella, Joel Embiid. Went off, had 28-12, eight assists after missing the two previous games with back tightness in a big win, road win for the Philadelphia career, 76ers. Career high in minutes, too, Yeah, like and, and played those 39 minutes in an overtime game. I'm getting that feeling, GA. The process is real. This dude is this dude is legit. Like, and it's not just you know the numbers. Like, you know, how you watch yeah. somebody and you get a feel for like, yes, this is yeah. his game is built for years. I mean, to be his size and to be able to do all the things he can do, he's he could dominate this league for years to come. Yeah, I think the only concern I have with him is health, and mm-hmm. he's seeming to be moving in to that point where. That's not going to be an issue. You know, it wasn't that long ago when Steph Curry was having yeah. issues every year. Right. And then eventually he got to a point where physically, you know, he figured it out. Steph Cur- uh, Kyrie Irving was like exactly. that. You forget exactly. Kyrie Irving dealt with a lot of injury early right. on. And I think he's getting to that point. And in, in terms of his comments, one, you love his confidence. I would say I think he's the most talented big man in terms of pure both ends i don't think player. there's any question if you talk I about mean, traditional big men as a traditional big i think yeah. he's the most talented Por- yeah. porzingis is when we start there's another category where you say okay who's the best seven footer right right that's a different conversation kind of man, yeah, because they play different games but both i i really feel equally effective and it's great to have them in the same division with boston being good yeah. i mean it, it really does set up where you could have the knicks sixers and obviously Celtics are already there. If they can all become relevant yeah. with mega stars on the roster, all basically under twenty five. Yeah. That's and, and all <laughs> that's, think of think of the all stars that are gonna be yeah. potentially coming off those rosters. Porzingis, yeah. Embiid, Ben Simmons potentially at some point, Kyrie. Oh, they all and listen. Tatum, they are all going to potentially be all stars. Yeah, I mean you can I mean, have Jalen Brown, a freak show of yeah, uh, is in that category. Um, so it, it bodes well, and it's good to see them, you know, being above 500. Yeah, being in the playoff mix, which you know I expect them to make the playoffs if they're healthy. Yeah, and and quite frankly, they're still doing it with a flawed roster without yeah, without it being completed. So, you know, so that's it's impressive what the young kids are doing. And if you're a fan in Philly, I mean, other than having your world deflated with the NFL with Carson Wentz going down, <laughs> man, you got to be loving it right now in yeah, Philly. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody, GA, is loving it more uh, than I guess this week on the Hangtime Podcast. Sixers Insider for NBC Sports Philadelphia, Jessica Camarado. And uh, she knows all about this team, Embiid, Simmons, Fultz, 
Jolly Local Four getting out of there with Nick Stauskas and everything else. Let's uh, dive a little deeper on the Sixers this week with Jess Camerato. So, Jess, we, we got to get the first question out of the way now. Is Joel Embiid as hilarious every day as he is when we get to see him in, in spurts from afar? I'm so happy that that question had a, had to do with his humor level and not his health. Usually, <laughs> when I, usually questions start with that. Yeah, Embiid is such a character. I mean, this is a guy who is so entertaining, but he's he's complex because he's entertaining and he's smart at the same time. Mm. So he's very aware of the power of his words, of the power of his personality, whatever he puts on social media, and he's he he's found this really unique way to so early in his NBA career put together this package of humor and times to be serious and then just this way of connecting with the fans that I don't think we've seen in a very long time. And Jessica, you talk about that connection. You know, there was the the patience everybody had to kind of wait and see if he was going to be the real deal. But along with all of that, and his immense talent, he's a really genuine guy, right? He's not the, you know, some people do stuff for the attention. I've always been struck by him as being, that's just kind of who he is. He's just grown up in this age of this social media environment, and he just embraces it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times do you see players of of his caliber, of his status, they want anonymity, they want to go to a restaurant and be left alone. They want to walk down the streets and just be able to look at their phone and be left alone. That's not Joel Embiid. When the NFL draft was here in Philadelphia this past summer, he walked through a crowd of people and is, like, egging on this trust the process. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's out there. It's not like he's surrounded by security people pushing everybody away. He just gets right in the mix with everybody because – he understands these are the people that have been with him through all those years of the injury. These are the people that take buses down from Philadelphia, go to Washington, D.C. for bus the process, and are louder than all of the Wizards fans in the arena. So he gets it, he appreciates it, and then he wants to give it back and, and actually be part of them. I miss bus the process. I didn't even know about that. That's, I would have I got on that bus. I definitely would have got on that bus. What is the, the general mood about this team right now in Philly. I mean, I know you go through the early part of a season, some people get excited, teams playing well, then they kind of come back to earth. These guys are, are, are hovering there right above 500. Do you do they feel like they're a complete enough group right now to, to be in that playoff mix, or, do, or does there a sense that there's something missing, something else needed, maybe Markel Foles? Their mindset and the mindset of people in Philadelphia is this is a team that can make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The talent is there. The potential is there. It's not even so much getting back another player because right now Markel Fultz is such an unknown yeah. that they don't really know what they're missing in him because they don't really know what type of player he's going to be. The, the bigger thing stopping them right now or causing these obstacles is really themselves. It's the turnovers that we saw against the Timberwolves. It's the playing down, I guess you could say, two teams like the Suns, like the Lakers that came in with losing records. It's not closing out in fourth quarter. So it's not that they're like, well, we need this one piece and then we're good. It's that the guys that they have need to buckle down in certain situations because Brett Brown talked about this, and you guys all know, how many times has a playoff race come down to the last game of the season and you're looking at who's going to be the eighth seed and who's going to be out. And the Sixers want to avoid games 
like that Suns game, they don't want that to be the difference between them going home in April or moving on to the first round of the playoffs. Well, good luck with that because that's what all young teams do. They're gonna, that's called experience. They're a ways from that. But you touched upon it briefly. The, the big unknown is going to be Markel Fultz. And ha- have there been any concerns about whether or not he is the guy? Um, because to your point, really hasn't had a chance to show it to kind of fit in. He's not going to be the traditional point guard because of the responsibilities that have been given to Ben Simmons. What's the thought process there? What's the feeling that you get that maybe is not being broadcast publicly? If the Sixers had started off the season 0-15, I feel like the Markel Fultz situation would have been a much bigger deal. But because they clicked so early and because people have seen the success that Ben Simmons had after missing the entire season last year and the success that Embiid had after missing all that time with his injuries, there's not as much of this uh, a sense of immediacy of, well, Markel Fultz needs to be back on the court in December or this whole thing is a bust and they shouldn't have made the trade. I mean, yeah, he's always going to be compared to Jason Tatum, even though they are completely different players. Uh, they'll always be linked. But right now, because the team is doing well uh, without him on the court, there's not this sense of panic. It's more just like, we'll just get healthy because when he was playing, we saw the shot. You don't want that on the court. Just let him get right. Hmm. Um, Jess, you, you've been, and I, I don't know if people know your, your history out there. Um, Jessica Camarado, uh, Sixers insider for NBC Sports Philadelphia has joined us. But you got history in Boston, obviously, and, and knowing and being around championship-level teams in Boston with huge personalities – when you look at this Sixers group and how young they are, do you think it's a benefit for them as a group and, and for the franchise that they're going to grow their young stars as a group as opposed to bringing them together the way the Celt- that Celtics championship team did with KG you know, and, and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and that group? Do you, do you think it benefits them more growing this team together? Or do you think, hey, they, they might need some big-time additions at some point later to, to become that caliber of team? That's a really good question. I do think it does benefit them to have Simmons and Embiid and when Markel Fultz is healthy coming up together. Because as a team, you can appreciate things. You know what you've been through, right? Mm -hmm. So if you guys have, if they've lost together, they know they don't want to get back to that point. They understand the ups and downs and they have a chemistry. Yeah, at some point you'll probably want to start, you know, you're the Sixers, start looking at, who's available in free agency and bringing in these pieces. But the goal is to have a foundation so that you don't need to go off it and sign a guy to a huge deal and come in and try to change everything around. You want that team to already be working towards that, and then you add in complementary pieces. So like, let's say, you know, two or three years from now, you add in another guy like another J.J. Redick type. It's not to be the guy, but it's to supplement the guys that are already there. Right, right. Talk a little bit about uh, the chemistry between Ben and and Joel, because those guys had a history. They knew each other prior. Uh, Obviously, both dealt with injury significantly early on in their career. Talk about their connection and how well they've been able to kind of work together. Yeah, it's cool to see two young players who are both on a very promising career path. They coexist well. So it's not like one came in with an ego and it's like, I need to be the guy all the time, and then you're my number two. It doesn't feel like that. Yet, indeed, is the, the defensive centerpiece. I mean, he's the guy. He got the big contract. 
But everyone exists and they understand that in order for Embiid to be better, you know, Simmons makes him a better player and vice versa. What I liked in that game against the Timberwolves, uh, their win over the Timberwolves, was when Ben Simmons didn't have it going offensively and he wasn't scoring. It was actually Embiid late in the game that was finding Simmons cutting to the basket and, and, and dumping it down to him down low for some quick, easy baskets. In some situations, you know, a player like Embiid could have said hypothetically, well, I'm the guy that has it going and Simmons doesn't have it going, so I'm not going to pass it to him. I'm just going to look for the shot myself. But he had the confidence in Ben and the, the selflessness to find him with that open pass. So they're not all about their own numbers. They understand about spreading everything around. Yeah. You know, Jess, that's a great point you bring up, too, about I haven't, I haven't noticed any – tug of war about attention like Simmons seems fine with letting Embiid have the spotlight and be kind of the voice and face of the team but when they're playing he's you know he's the one with the ball in his hands he's the one triggering what they're doing do you think did Brett and I read the stuff about Brett Brown you know all the film he broke down with with Simmons last year when Simmons wasn't playing and and just kind of the relationship they built do you think that redshirt year for Ben Simmons was as invaluable as it seems to me um, in terms of just making sure he had the trust of his coaches and and was engaged in what they're doing. It's not like you got to be around all the time. It's not like you got to be sitting on the bench and cracking jokes on the plane, all that. But just knowing the nuts and bolts of what Brett Brown wanted him to do and how they wanted to to trigger that offense around Joel Embiid, but with Ben having the ball in his hands. Absolutely. Brett Brown used a term to describe uh, Simmons at the start of the season, and he called him an advanced rookie. And I think that just sums it all up perfectly. That's why, in my mind, I don't think this Fultz injury people are freaking out about because they saw the success that Simmons has had. Last season, Simmons was able to just get a front row seat to everything that he was going to have to go through, everything that he was going to have to learn without actually going through the ups and downs just yet, if, if that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. he was able to be around the team. He was able to start building chemistry with Embiid, even he had this close uh, mentor relationship with Jared Bayless, who was also injured. Mm. So that was supposed to be the one-two starting backcourt last season. That didn't happen, but Simmons was able to spend time with him as a veteran guy while they rehab together. And then also these film sessions with Brett Brown. How many players really get to study game film that much? I mean, you're so busy, right? There's so many other things going on, and I'm sure players will look around and say, Maybe if I had more time to do this, but Simmons had really all the time in the world <laughs> to learn about the NBA game last year. So it benefited him tremendously, and he gets to build that chemistry. And to your point earlier about Embiid and Ben Simmons coexisting well, one thing that's also worth pointing out is their personalities are totally different. Right. You know, Embiid commands the spotlight. Simmons is very okay with being just the guy that, you know, isn't going to be the most boisterous in interviews and doesn't need to give long, funny answers, and that helps everything, and that's something that they were kind of figuring out last season. I'm, I'm also curious, too, Jess, having spent time in Philadelphia, I got cousins who live in North Philly who are big sports fans, of course, and it's always felt like an Eagles town first and foremost to me. Um, and I, And you know they love their hockey and baseball and everything else. But I remember when Allen Iverson was playing for the Sixers, and I remember what kind of electricity you had in that arena and what kind of buzz they had around that city. What's the vibe in the city about the Sixers team? Because they're not there yet. They haven't even tasted the playoffs yet. This is this is the, the turning of the corner, if you will, 
for this group. What what's their Q rating around Philly right now? Like, what kind of attention are they getting? Well, this city still loves their Eagles, especially this season. You know, the Eagles will come to the games, they'll put them on the jumbotron and play the Eagles fight song, and everyone goes crazy. But I started to notice it more this past summer. I was I, I made an I made a conscious effort to observe, you know, what jerseys am I seeing when I walk down the street? And it was just in Bede and Simmons everywhere. And they were like young kids, you know, probably like 18 to 24, I would say. Mm-hmm. All with these, you know, just wearing their Ben Simmons jersey on a random August afternoon. And I was like, this city is, they're totally ready for this. It's very apparent in the arena. The arena is electric when they're winning. I notice it more, uh, more significantly, I guess, when I'm on the road. So I was in Los Angeles. I met a Sixers fan who came from Hong Kong. He's been a Sixers fan since 1978 and made the trip for this team. Oh then I was in New Orleans this past weekend. I met a Sixers fan who flew by himself from Philadelphia because, because he got a cheap flight, came down by himself to New Orleans just to watch the game. <laughs> At that same game, there was a fan from Pensacola, Florida, who said, I've been a fan since the Tony Roten days. And these guys are coming out all over the country, men, women, kids, in their Sixers jerseys. So it's really been incredible to see on the road. That's craziness. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the, the Eagles are the, the bigger team. But yeah. listen, there's no doubt, as great as Carson Wentz is, Joel Embiid is the biggest personality in Philadelphia. I, I guarantee you. Yeah. There will not be anybody that won't recognize. First of all, he's seven. Say, yeah, exactly. But seriously, and and you <laughs> and see, like, you, you, you and I, we're huge. I'm a huge football fan. I mean, right. I, but you don't see the guy's face right. all the time the right. way you see Joel Embiid. And then with his presence just on Twitter and yeah. social media, he's just a bigger than life personality. Uh, and and younger people tend to gravitate towards basketball a little bit more. Now yeah. it's never it's not replacing the Eagles. No one's saying that, but. From a personality standpoint, he's the biggest thing there. Just yeah. like when Iverson yeah, was AI there, was unquestioned the Iverson thing, yeah. was the biggest thing there. You know, Jess, that's, that brings up something else, though, the flip side of, this, of the process, which it, it looks good, you know, you, you, and we make jokes about it when you talk about Embiid and Simmons and how well they put, could potentially turn out. But then I think about some of the misses. And, and Jolly Local 4 getting traded, um, he and my man Nick Stiles, you know, I hate to see a Michigan man traded, but – Guess I got to deal with it. Hey, um, hey, better than getting cut. Yeah, true. For Trevor, good point. For Trevor Booker, was was were you as uncomfortable as as we were watching the way Okafor's situation was handled? And do you think there's some regret about the way it was handled by the organization? The whole Okafor thing, I really go back to the beginning. I mean, he was he was not the best fit for this team when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. I, it was a it was a totally different world in Sixers land when he was drafted and and you know it wasn't to win games and they they drafted him and he wasn't the best fit for the team and it just was never working out here. I was surprised at how long he was on the team for. Mm. I really thought that something was going to get done at the trade deadline last year. Then when it didn't happen, I thought, all right, you know, you're looking at the summer. There was a beach event. I showed up to cover that, and I'm like, who is this person? Where'd the rest of Jaleel Okafor go? He went <laughs> vegan and dropped 20 pounds. I barely even recognized him. So I thought that something was going to happen. You know, last year they traded Jeremy Grant really early on into the season right. to the Thunder, and I thought, all right, well, Okafor, 
looks good. He slimmed down, not dealing with the knee problems, give him a run during training camp. People could see what he can do, and then he'd be out of here and, and onto a better situation, What you know, just a few weeks. So what surprised me the most was the fact that it did go on as long as it did, just given how open both sides were, that the Sixers were saying that, you know, we we are looking to to move him to find him a better place. And the fact that Okafor eventually came out, who handled the situation really well, but finally came out and said, I, I want to be in a position where I can play. So yeah. let's make this happen. Yeah, it's, it's just strange. I mean, I, I don't think, looking back on it, that any of his issues that he had early on his rookie year helped either. I'm I'm imagining he didn't endear himself Mm -hmm. to the fan base with some of the drama that was going on off the floor. But I just thought it was weird that it took as long as it did, Jess, the way you mentioned, you know, that that he was still on this roster as long as he was when it was clear that he was not in the – the future plans. Jessica Camarado, Sixers Insider for NBC Sports Philadelphia. By the way, our favorite Philly media member. Make sure you let Marshall Harris know that um, he is way down the list. On, uh, <laughs> oh, I will deliver my prof- that message with a smile. <laughs> we appreciate it, Jess. Look, and we'll see you at All Star Weekend and in the playoffs. You're like, you better get used to being back at uh, back on the job deep into the spring because I think the Sixers team might have you. Have you working well into the playoffs? Yeah, I'll, bl- I'll block off my calendar a little more than I have in the <laughs> No doubt. We appreciate it. See you down the road now. You got it, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, that, GA, that, the, the, the way they handled Jolly Local 4, to me, I, and we talked about it on the air on Game Time yep. uh, last month. At first, I was thinking, this is terrible. Like, they didn't do right by this kid. But you know what? If they'd have unloaded him somewhere else, he might not get the opportunity he's getting ready to get, you know, to, to prove himself. And, but those are they're 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 mutually exclusive. Though. Yeah, one has nothing to do with the other. Right? They, they dropped the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah, what they did because yeah. to your point, they could have made that trade three months ago. Right, could have made it before. So to me, they just dropped the ball. It almost came across as being personal. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, very interesting. But uh, make sure you read and and watch Jess, NBC Sports Philadelphia, Sixers Insider, one of the best in the biz, GA, um, Jessica Camarado. She's, she's got chops, too. She, I remember yes, when she, she was does. in Boston getting it done, and uh, to see her in Philly now is interesting because they got somebody on that beat who's going to tear it up and, and bring all this information to you. So, GA, he wore me out last week, made me look like a fool. I had got a couple emails from people just clowning me about my inability to answer questions. <laughs> From John Schumann. So, I listen, I went back to the lab this weekend. I just started studying quantum up. physics, all kind of yeah. craziness. Because I will not be stumped again on the Schumann stat. I'm not going to make that comment. Because <laughs> I, I know I'm going to be somewhat stumped <laughs> every time we do it. I'm not, I'm not going there, Schumann. Fellas, what's up? What's happening, sir? I got some. We're not going to go historical on you today. What? Go. Oh man, I went and studied my tail. I went up, went and studied all this stuff. Now you telling me we're switching it up? That's what they say. You got to know. You can't be studying the wrong stuff, man. You prepared for the wrong oh, test. Oh my gosh. So we are talking 2017-2018 season okay. only. That's going to be hard. Switch it up a little bit. Okay. So here's my question: What player this season through uh, Tuesday's games has scored the most points without a single point coming from three-point range? Mm, that is a good one. Had a single three-pointer. Uh, uh, ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, correct. Yes. First guess. Nice. Just talked about him. 
Well, I know he had total points. He's only right. taking like he's only taking five him, or yeah. six or seven. Whatever. He's zero for eight from three point yeah. range. All eight attempts are like end of quarter. Yeah, like yeah. Well, seven check, of check them are out. from the back court, and he had like one running three, like right up from from the three point line at the end of a quarter. I think last week or so. so he's yeah, like he's a dinosaur. And hasn't hasn't you know, really you know attempted what he is? A like in terms of it speaks to how, how he smart, scores, it's, but it speaks to how smart of a player he is. Yeah, that he's not most young guys yet. spend all their time trying to prove to you what they can't do. Right. He got drafted number one because of what he does, and that's what he does. Eventually, he'll shoot the three. <laughs> Might be five years. Yeah, he's shooting seventy percent in the restricted area, which is fantastic. Which is really good. You know, you you your league average is is less than that. So he's he's for a rookie shooting seventy percent in the restricted area is really good. Obviously, he's big and strong. Um, There's a lot of big and strong guys ain't shooting seventy in there, though. Shoot, let me let me ask you a question before you go on about right. Simmons. Like, I know last year we we're talking to Jess about this. When he was sitting out, he did so much work studying with Brett Brown and you know film work. Did you did? And, and I know you've been around Philly and, and been around that team a little bit. Did did they have any idea he was going to be this good with the ball in his hands and play like this? Because I don't remember people talking about him even last year a whole lot. You know what? I, uh, Brett Brown said something the other day. Something like it was the plan wasn't all along wasn't to have him at point guard. You know, like really? okay, yeah. that's not necessarily the plan. But I know they brought in Bayless to be sort of his complement. Mm-hmm. And Bayless is a is a, a has the size of a point guard and isn't a point guard, right? He's a you know, a shooting one, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, you know, you see some other guys like you know, if you have a, a like a, a LeBron or an Antetokounmpo, a guy who's who's a, a small forward or power forward or something who handles the ball, you want a, a you know, your point guard to be a shooter. Um, and so I think that was the Bayless acquisition last year was, okay, this guy's going to compliment Simmons. Right. But yeah, I, I, they can't be un, you know, they can't be disappointed in anything they've seen so far. Right. No, I mean, he's, no, he's, he's really good. good. And, and defense is another thing. Like he's a, he's not a liability on that end whatsoever. And that's the thing about them is that starting lineup they have is so huge, yeah. you know, because they have. You know, Reddick is the only starter they have under six eight. You know, it's it's Simmons, it's six ten. Reddick six four, I guess. Covington six eight. Um, Saric and Embiid. I mean, that's yeah. that's a huge lineup, and and that allows them to to switch a lot, and it just gives them so much length that it makes and and they're a great rebounding team. Also, that's the other thing with 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 the size that they have, um, they've really improved re- in in rebound like. Two years ago, they were an awful rebounding team on both ends of the floor. Right um, now, they're they're one of the best rebounding teams in the league, um, and that makes a huge difference. I, I said uh, I did a story on them last week, and the diff like they were a I forget what the numbers were exactly, but they they basically were a minus on second chance points a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. This year, they're a plus on second chance points, and the difference is like four and a half points a game, and that's, yeah, that's huge. huge. I mean, yeah. that's a lot. I mean, that's that's like. That's worth like ten to fifteen wins over a course of a season. Yeah, well, it, it it does help when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are on the roster <laughs> as opposed to what was there two years ago. Because right, those two right. guys, in and of themselves, the only issue for them with that big lineup is their transition defense isn't great. Yeah, um, but you know they're a young team. You're not going to be perfect. They are head and shoulders above where they were two years ago, and they're yeah. definitely trending in the right direction. Yeah, Shu, you had a great. Um, LeBron shooting stat you tweeted out the other day. 
That basically, was yeah, we all know he's shooting like a career high from three point range. Yeah, but he's also shooting a career high in the restricted area, which mm-hmm. is amazing because he's been a great finisher his basically his whole career. He's yeah. shooting seventy eight percent in the restricted area, which is the <laughs> best he's ever shot. And then the percentage of his total shots that are have come from the restricted area and three point range is also a career high, right, it's up right. over seventy percent now. So he's shooting less. Uh, mid-range shots, you know, so those are, you know, obviously less efficient shots. I mean, he's still taking some, and, and and you know, he's not, you know, playing perfect uh, Maury ball, as we might say. You know, right. he's not Trevor Ariza, where every shot comes from, from three or at, uh, or at the basket. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's really sort of, the, the mid-range shots at three-point ratio has really gone down the last two years. Last year was the first time in the regular season when he took more threes than mid-range shots. Um, and this year that trend has continued. So, um, which is great. I mean, it, it, cause you know, he's, he's been, uh, a very inconsistent shooter over the years and his consistency has gotten better. And he's also changed some of those mid-range long twos for threes, which, which just makes him, makes his shots that much more valuable. Yeah. His true shooting field goal percentage is ridiculous because I don't I don't know that we've ever had a guy that that has shot what he shoots from the field shoot forty percent from three yeah on the right yeah I mean yeah like his field goal percentage is what you would expect from a big yeah right because he's right. nine times a day biggest most muscle bound joker on the floor yeah. I mean he's <laughs> yeah I you know yeah. what and I know we kind of re rack our brains every year with LeBron like. How's he doing this? How's it? I'm telling you, we're going to look back on his career, and a bunch of people are going to be upset with themselves. They're going, they're going to feel bad because they missed the boat. Because they didn't. <laughs> yeah, like they they spent so much time trying to poke holes in his game that they didn't appreciate the unprecedented nature of what he's done yeah. in terms of duration. Like to be this right. good this long. When I tweeted that that those stats out, yeah, I, some, I almost put age. like a little line at the end, like appreciate it, you know, like <laughs> just appreciate what we're seeing. But I just now nah, just stick to the number, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need to 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 add my own commentary on it at at whatever. But um, you didn't need idiots retweet. I mean, uh, tweeting back at you either, like yeah, I did. Yeah, well, yeah. It's funny, like you'll <laughs> you'll be amazed at how you I can tweet out just a simple stat, right? And it's nothing but facts, and people think why are you throwing shade or whatever. It's like I'm not, <laughs> you know. No, I, I was but, being, I was trying to be facetious, of course, like. Yeah. I was agreeing with you a million percent, and it's one of the reasons why I stay off Twitter because I don't—I don't got time for people to be going at going at my head and you know all that good stuff. But I don't know, Shu. I'm—I feel I'm I almost feel, and I'm trying to think of like who's my all underappreciated team around the league, you know. And I know LeBron made a comment about kind of suggesting that people don't appreciate what he does. I don't think they do. I don't think a lot of people do. I think they've spent so much time trying to be anti-LeBron and. So they could be pro Kobe or pro or somebody pro, else, pro Michael, like or that's pro the MJ, thing. that they haven't it's really. Like you you got to knock him to build, to build up, up your guy, and you don't have to. No, yeah. you can appreciate yeah. them all because yeah. Michael's legacy, just like don't Bill change. Russell's yeah. and Magic's and Birds and Kareem's, yeah. it ain't going anywhere. Mm-mm. All right, Shu, we appreciate it, brother. Gear up. I need a I need a monster question for Christmas before we get to Christmas. So I need something that uh, you, I need a stumper. You got to right. do something that we cannot answer. All right, that's All a right. challenge. I accept that challenge. <laughs> All right. All right, All right Schum- appreciate you. Later. John Schumann and the Schumann stat, numbers, numbers, numbers. Hit us with some contemporary numbers yeah, that you yeah. – I mean, I, 
I don't know. I gotta check. You, you know, you you on players only on Tuesday nights. You might have heard. You mean y'all might have looked that no, up? No, you know night. what? I I that one. <laughs> I was thinking bigs, but then I I, I caught myself. I said, well, wait a minute. Simmons almost getting twenty a night, right? And I know he hadn't hit a three. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, because he's only like I said, he he really hasn't technically taken a, taken yeah. a three because all the threes he take he's taken were in the quarters. Yeah, or just to beat the shot clock. And right. and what was it? Seven of them were. On the other, on in the backcourt, right. so like he hasn't shot him even. Smart man, him. why why take a shot? This hey, it's not your shot. That's you know, you know what you you say that, but there's a lot man. of guys spend a lot of time doing exactly that. Oh, what are you talking about? I used to watch Josh Smith practice threes yeah. at the end of every practice with with the guards, and I'd be thinking, this man, this is the last place this man needs to be is yeah. jacking threes. Appreciate John Schumann as always with the Schumann stat. From his numbers to those other numbers that I need to smile on me this week in bragging rights. You will. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Two and one for GA. Let's okay. get it. I'm good with that. Still, with still in striking distance. I'm good with that. The That's Rockets a bad week for Blazers me. Yeah, that was, was the, a tough one. The, the problem there yeah. for GA. Yeah. This week we're starting Friday night, Thunder at Sixers. Ooh, that's a tough one, man. I tell you what, the the schedule has been awesome, beautiful, right? It's like beautiful. Every time, every time we time do you a game, I'm like, man, I gotta watch that. <laughs> I ain't got enough hours in the day. I like the I like the Sixers to to hold it down. They've they struggled some in some yeah. of the marquee games. This is yeah. one where I feel like now Russ is getting ready to go at him because yeah. I think Russ has gotten it in his mind now. Like, if we're gonna be this kind of team, then I gotta go back to being. Just a whirlwind rust. But as long as Joel Embiid is in uniform in this game, I think they got a chance to dominate because he's going to look at Steven Adams and be like, okay, I got another big man. I got to go out here and yeah. explain to him that I'm the best at in the business. He he is the most talented center. But I'm going with OKC because I think the sense of desperation, yeah. the fact that they are starting to stress and feel the pressure, they're like that wounded animal. <laughs> I think they're going to respond. And I think that's going to be a nice stage to do it on. So I'm going with the Thunder. And they're not really Thunder right now. Yeah, they're, they're more like uh Like they're just rumbling. Yeah, they're, they're just, just like – they're just noise. Yes. They're not really Thunder. They ain't really Thunder yet. We're going to stay on Friday night for the second part of that ESPN doubleheader, Spurs at Rockets. Rockets. Ooh, yeah. I know Kawhi is back, and I, but the Rockets are playing Ooh. so well right now. I got. I'm not picking against the Rockets. It's hard to go against the Rockets, man. It they is. look so good. They, to me – Today are the best team in the league. Yeah, they look they look fabulous. They, they just I'm basing it on what they've done, not yes. what they're gonna do. But right. They've been the best, been the most consistent, um, the most dynamic. They are. But I'm gonna go with the Spurs what? in this one because Kawhi has now had a chance to get back into the groove. Yeah. A little bit, and I, I think that they'll have somehow, some way, they'll find a way. It might just be that Houston's just off that night, but right. I got Plus, I got to try to get back in this match. So I'm going with that. <laughs> the only way to do it. And yeah. final game Sunday: Cavs at Wizards. Oh, that's an easy one. I'm taking the Cavs. That ain't even close. What is John Wall, Wall, what is Wall back. coming back? back. He'll be back. I was gonna say he'll be back by yeah, then. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I don't know what the Wizards theme will be that day. I don't know if they're gonna come in there wearing a ugly sweater day. With you know, yeah, they always stunting yeah. trying to do some. Um, I'm gonna, this is the last time I'm gonna put some faith in the Wizards and and give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Washington to win that game. 
You you know what you sound like right now. You you know what you you're Scrooge that McDuck. no you're that guy <laughs> that can't shoot the three. You Josh Smith. I'm gonna call you Josh Smith right now. You just going you just gonna prove everybody gonna wrong anyway. <laughs> and shoot the three ball. I'm I, glad you did it. I know. I know. I shouldn't, but I'm trying to believe. They might though. You know what? They'll they'll be up for that game. You, you know, know they will. You know they're gonna be cranked up. But it's like yeah. play play through the tape. What's funny Finish. about that though is if you go look. And LeBron's best games this season has been against the elite team. Yep. And, and oh, he's he, going to clown. He's going to serve notice. Yeah, he'll have a triple-double or something ridiculous. I, but I'm a, I just need to get the dub. Yeah, I'm going with the, going with the Cavs. All right. Well, we're going to see. I, I love a 3-0 week, though. I love perfection. That's, I do, too. That's it was fun. Name. That's it was my middle name. Bragging rights. I love it this year. I'm, uh, until I until I get down, you see how my enthusiasm for bragging rights yeah, is real high. It. Anytime I get behind, Jonathan will tell you like <laughs> then bragging rights becomes like the biggest labor of love ever. Uh, we oh, gotta do stupid it this bragging way. rights! <laughs> oh shoot! All right. Well, listen, we uh, gotta say thank you to Jessica Camarado from uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia Insider for the Sixers joining us for the first time on the Hang Time Podcast. As always, our main man John Schumann coming through with the Schumann stat. And uh, as you mentioned, GA, the schedule makers have set us up perfect, man. Yes. All you gotta do is tune in. I mean, there's games every night, every single night you tune in. There's quality games to watch. I watched the Knicks and the Lakers the other night. Two teams that should not be must see TV. And I'm telling you, they put on a show. That was overtime a great game. game at the Garden. It was fantastic. Um, so make sure you tune in to all of the the network broadcasts as well as League Pass. If you want to be entertained by the greatest league on planet Earth, Christmas Day showcase games right around the corner. So don't miss out. Don't miss out. And uh, as always, you can subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every week this season. Don't forget to leave us a review. Let us know what's happening, what you think, and how we're doing. And we will see you right here next week on the Hang Time Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say kuna matata.